Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. G'day, it's Jason Stevens here and welcome to the Spirit of Sports. So glad you could join us this evening. I hope you're uh, having a good time during the festive season, connecting, reconnecting with family, friends, faith. It's a great time of year, isn't it? To just to try and get a bit of rest in, reflect charge your batteries for a, a strong 2021 I think I know it's all sounding positive but I I need to set the tone I need to be positive for my very special guest because she's everything positive in this world I've got to say and more as you will see she won 24 Grand Slam women's single titles that's right 24 in her career 19 Grand Slam doubles titles and 21 Grand Slam mixed double titles. I just get tired talking about it, how, how much she's achieved. She won more Grand Slams than any other player in history. And in 1979, she was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. They said this about her, for sheer strength of performance and accomplishment, there has never been a tennis player to match her. The Herald Sun called her the greatest female tennis player of all time. A view, mind you, supported by the great Yvonne Kulgong Crawley. To make these records even more phenomenal, not that they need it, you need to understand that she was a natural left-hander who was persuaded to change to a right-hand grip. That is incredibly difficult. She was dubbed the Aussie Amazon because, you know, before all weights and circuit training and tagging photos for Instagram on Sandhills became trendy, she was doing it for real. Billie Jean King had some kind words to say about her. She said uh, she heard, she called her the arm because of her formidable reach. Uh, but 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 also there's more to this lady. She's an established author. Author. She uh, actually I've read uh, one of her books, Winning Words. Amazing, amazing, powerful stuff. She's a speaker and a minister. She is, if you haven't guessed by now, Margaret Court. Margaret, welcomes to the spirit of sport. Thanks, Jason. Wonderful to be talking with you. So great. And we, we met quite some time ago when uh, we, we were speaking um, together and um, I really appreciated we had, we had a um, little bit of time together and you were very encouraging and really took time out and you were busy because you were about to speak and I just really appreciated uh, your words of um, encouragement to me back in the day when I was playing. So uh, it's great to reconnect again all, all these years. Well, it is, and uh, I think coming from sporting backgrounds, we encourage one another, and you know, we. Yeah, I think you understand one another more because you go through your hard times and your good times, and you need encouraging. And uh, so now, uh, sport sport such a wonderful game for that. It teaches you a lot of things. It does indeed. Now, before we get into it, uh, I've got a couple of getting to know you type questions. So, just whatever comes to mind, here we go. First concert, first concert. 
Well, it probably, you know, coming from Albury and back in those times you didn't have television and all those sorts of things. And I loved musicals and, uh, uh, you know, we uh, not having television, you hardly had concerts. You, you know, to school all you had was Christmas and Easter, but I loved My Fair Lady and Sound of Music, those sort of things, yeah. Oh, Sound of Music, now you're talking, because you were a kindred spirit here, Margaret, because I <laughs> I, I travelled to Austria to go to the Sound of Music tour. Oh, yes. <laughs> I did the well, tour. Well, we did the same. We went searching for it all. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? How good yeah, was it? Yeah, we went up into the mountains oh. thinking, where did it all happen? And it's, that was sort of later in our... Uh, you know, when we went back, not after tennis, really, had that time to do that sort of thing. Uh, we, because we sort of watched it and seen the stage shows and seen it so many times, so we went to trace it a little bit. Yeah. What was your first job? Uh, my first job when I was young, I remember, because my family had no money very much, was. Uh, painting the net posts of the tennis courts and marking the lines and working in the kiosk and the tennis centre at the weekends. Nice. Uh, most embarrassing moment? Uh, when the elastic in my pants broke at Wimbledon. That was very <laughs> embarrassing because <laughs> back in those early years you didn't have time out and, uh, you know, you didn't even have the chair to sit down. Is that right? And, uh, you know, I had, to, I had to tell the umpire the reason I was going off, and it was very embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> no, one, no one's ever said that. No one will ever say that one again. I'm just <laughs> so, yeah. do you have a favourite movie? Um, well, again, uh, Sound yeah. of Music, so that, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite scene in there, by the way? Pardon? Do you have a favourite scene in The Sound of Music? Um, well, I, I just liked, I think, her brightness, uh, you know, sort of the, the singing uh, and the beautiful... I always loved going to Austria and Switzerland and up into the mountain area. I always beautiful. loved the scenery. It was so beautiful, Isn't yeah. It? The town of yeah. Salzburg is just... It's yeah. funny, though, when you're there and you mention The Sound of Music, they're like, oh... They're like, because they're like, they didn't really catch on to the the, the, the um, bigness of it because it was so it was so Hollywood. It was such a Hollywood, yeah. you know, take yeah. on, on South. I think they they tried to cover that all up a bit, Jason. They did. Yeah, yeah I know. A person from history you'd like to have met? Uh, I I said that one to my husband. I said I think I've met most people, uh, you know, that's been around you that have, I would yeah. have known. Uh, you know, you look back in the, the days of your uh, movie stars and things at Charlton Heston and all those, uh, you know, the Jerry Lewis's and the Dean Martin, they all used to come to tennis. Really? So I was doing you that and, wow. and I'd, I'd met the Queen, I'd had dinner with the, the, the Queen on their ship and through my father-in-law to Charles Court. So, you know, I think wow. I met a lot of people. And I was very blessed like that. Not that I was looking for it, because I never looked for it. Wow. But it always seemed to be there somehow, yeah. So you met, did you meet Jerry Lewis and and Charlton Heston? Did you you meet Charlton Heston used to love the tennis. I sat and talked to him. Wow. Yeah, he was no different to anybody else. And, uh, you know, they they loved the tennis back in those those times, and they, they would come to Wimbledon, they'd come to Queens normally 
before Wimbledon because they wanted to meet the tennis players. Interesting. We'd like to meet them. They wanted to meet us. Absolutely, because I I interviewed uh, Jeff Ogilvie not uh, not long ago, and uh, he he, um, when he won the two thousand six Open, he um, he said that he he did the Dave Letterman show. He did the top ten on the Dave Letterman, and he got to meet Adam Sandler who was yeah. on the show, and he said it was the same thing. Adam Sandler was very excited because he loves golf, Adam That's Sandler. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, a, it's, a, um, it's amazing because sometimes you don't, actually don't think, oh, they're watching, but most, so many of the, the entertainers, actors, they're sports, sports freaks. If they could have traded their career, you almost get the impression they would have, they would have done sport if, if they could have. That's right. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, it's amazing. And... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it was such a uh, wonderful era back in that time. You know, you you had the Gonzales and you, there was the Rod Lavers and the Jack Kramers. They were all a little bit before me. I was just coming in and the, the new kid on the block. But uh, they were all very famous and uh, well-known, particularly tennis was so big in America and Australia back then that everybody wanted to meet the Aussies or the Americans and uh, – yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. Is there something you wish you were better at? Um, well, probably in those early years when I was playing tennis, I was very shy, very inferior. I would have liked to have been probably better at public speaking back in that time because uh, I didn't come from a background where that was or I didn't have a lot of education. Uh, I'd rather give the microphone to somebody else and I remember listening to the first uh, tape back then that the ABC did, and I was so embarrassed about it that I, I went and had a had a few lessons. But it, you know, it it took years to probably uh, change that. But I would have back in that time liked to have been more confident at it because I I'd say no, I'm not going to do a rotary speech or I'm not going to go here and speak at this or that. I wouldn't do it. What a vast difference to the uh, the bold speaker that you are today, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, is there a thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Um, probably I was always on the tennis court, and I think I had to leave home at the age of 15 to go to my, Melbourne, and my mum never wanted that because I was the youngest of four. So that was very hard for her. That was hard for her to take. She always hoped, I think, that I might make it in tennis, that I'd come back and live in Albury. Right. Okay. Well, those plans went out the window at <laughs> very early <laughs> Well, she on. never really, she never, Jason never really watched me play. Really? She'd get too nervous. And so I think it was only one she ever did. And because they never traveled to see you play because we didn't have any money. Mm. And they were amateur days. So really, they never saw me play. They never saw me play any major tournament or anything like that, yeah. Wow. Well, how did yeah. you feel about that? How did you process that? Well, I mean, back in those times, you you never really thought about it because you knew they couldn't. And there wasn't the money there. And uh, my coach in Albury, he came and watched a couple of things. But even that, that was difficult back in those times. You sort of after the war baby and through there. And if you didn't have that finances, you, you just didn't expect it. And uh, so, you know, once I moved to Melbourne, I had coaches there and 
Frank said, you was behind me, and it was a whole different ball game, you know, and I bought it the first year, uh, and I only got £4.15 a week, and I had to pay £4.05 a week in board. So, you you know, there was the struggles and the hardship, but you went through them, so you knew you were doing it, so there wasn't any difference for your family. We didn't own a car. We didn't own our house. Um, we didn't have a television. Uh, so, you know, I, I know what it's like to have nothing and then be so thankful to have something. In fact, yeah. your, in fact your birth was a battle. Your most- yes, my mum nearly died and I nearly wow. died. And uh, so we, uh, it was one of the other sort of things. So you, uh, yeah, so I think that's probably why that, perhaps you'd say it was a determination that was built in me. Uh, to survive, uh, to succeed. And, and I loved what I did in sport. I loved sport. Mm. Uh, and so there was a passion there. And I think that I didn't like losing as a little girl. Uh, I liked, you know, I had uh, eight boys in our street and I was a tomboy and I was the leader of the gang. And I liked <laughs> beating them all at cricket and football. And, <laughs> That's you know. so funny. So That's there was so that, funny. That, that was sort of built in me somehow. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And is, is there a lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Um, probably, you know, you learn it in sport, uh, you learn it, but it goes back to that being patient. Um, and, you know, there's a lovely scripture that today that says the trying of your faith worketh patience. But uh, I don't know, I, I think I always had, good instinct and uh, anticipation as a young person, even playing tennis. And, uh, you know, you always had to had to wait. You had to pick that moment or that time. You couldn't be impatient. And, and uh, I think that was probably always right throughout my life. I always had to had to just be very patient. Yeah. And it's hard as a driven person, isn't it, with – with big goals, big dreams. It's very, yes, it's, uh, it, is, it is a big, bigger challenge I find sometimes. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you, because it. Well, I, yeah. I always had that goal as a, yeah. as a little girl because somebody dropped that into my heart to be the first Australian yes. woman and that would have was been Frank? to win Wimbledon. Was and that Frank? was when I was about 13. They came through my hometown playing a, yes. a professional and, and I was an up-and-coming junior winning a lot of country tournaments and junior events, and they uh, had a crowd. I remember they had a sort of a, um, a centre court, a bit of a centre court, and they made stands, brought in stands and built them up, and they let me have a hit before. And I remember it was, uh, you know, Frank Sidson said, you could be the first Australian woman ever to win Wimbledon, and somehow... I didn't know anything about Wimbledon. There was no television. Um, I didn't even uh, know who played at Wimbledon. I didn't know any big names in tennis and still, till they started to come through my hometown. 
and he said he said those words to me, and somehow that dropped into my heart. And people used to say to me, "What do you What do you want to What do you want to do?" I said, "I want to be the first Australian woman to win Wimbledon," and not knowing, you know, wow. we had no money, we had nothing, wow. and you're in a country town. How that might ever happen? Yeah. So, Isn't that you know, the, the words of your mouth are so important. What so you speak, important. And I didn't know anything yes. about faith as a little girl. And I didn't, you know, I had no confidence very much, but I'd build myself up in tennis. And that was where my my uh, gift was. And, uh, you know, uh, and I loved it. And I was a very good runner also. So they they went pretty well together. You know, and, uh, you know, Margaret, it's so it's so. Um, I can really relate to that journey because when I was fourteen, and I was, uh, you know, my dad left when we were very young. I mean, it's really bad circumstances, and uh, there was an old footy player. His name was Harry Eden, and he was rough, tumble, uh, you know, boys' home type type of guy, and he didn't have a dad either from young, and he, he used to play in that Bob McCarthy era with Souths, and he was a very good player, very hard player, but rough, rough. But he, he was my coach when I was younger, and I remember he picked me up one day and he said to me, he said, you know what, you could play for Australia if you want to. And I, that, for me, once like you, yeah. I, I didn't have the yeah. faith, faith or anything like that, but it was like it dropped in my heart, and yeah. I somehow yeah. began to believe that I would Somehow, yeah. because, and uh, I mean, that's the most powerful thing about being a parent or coach or friend, really anything really, um, any, any kind of influence you have, the power of your words can, literally, right. can literally transform lives. I remember reading your, your book, Winning Words, and uh, it be- just became so, so evident that, that, um, that, you know, because when you grew up, we always to say, there was always this, this saying that said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. And I, and I actually yeah. totally disagree, totally disagree oh, yeah. that. Yeah. If you want to hurt someone and wound someone, yeah, you, use, you use your words, really, because that's that, right. Life and death heart. are in the power of the yeah. tongue. Yeah. Yeah, that's I amazing know. That, he, that you were meant to hear that from, from Frank, and, it, and that was at 13, and then by 18... You're on your way. You've won the first. Well, he he opened the Frankston opened the door for me really in Melbourne, and that was when I was fifteen and went down there. And I had a sister who was working down there, and I went in in a boarding house, and she was in a boarding house living down there for a year. And uh, I went and I stayed there, and then the Sedgmans opened the door for me. He he had a gymnasium in Little Collins Street. And I a men's gym, and I'd go in there before the men came in because they said she's very skinny, very scrawny. She'll never make it. And uh, so I went. I went into gym, and then I had a man called Keith Rogers, who was a very because Frank Sedgman was still on the professional circuit, so he wasn't in Melbourne a lot. But he opened doors for me with the coach and the gym and. Uh, then another, uh, he was in a business also, so I was worked in an office there. Because when I was at school, there was a river mother at the convent out there. She said, she saw the gift on my life and she said, you need to do something towards that. So I did shorthand typing. Mm. And so when I went down to Melbourne, I worked in the office. And then they would give me time off to go train, uh, to go and practice and 
And uh, so, you know, that's where Frank Sedgman helped me so much, particularly in those first few years, 15, 16, I won my first Aussie Open when I was 17. And uh, so it it was, they, they helped me. They were like fathers. Uh, they had families. Uh, another man called Frank Brocklehurst, where I worked. They just embraced me, took me in, helped me, encourage. they believed in me more than I believed in myself. And I think that was the, the greatest thing because I know often when I got into a difficult match or playing and I started to doubt myself, I thought, no, they think I'm the best. They put all that work into my life. Wow. I, I did it for them. And, wow. you know, when you won your first Wimbledon, I did it for Australia because – you didn't play for yourself back then. There was no money in it. I know. You were playing for your nation. But just on that, like, Margaret, was, it, was there ever a time where you thought, hold on, someone's making money? <laughs> should, yes, should, many should. a time. <laughs> <laughs> because I remember, I remember I was part of the uh, Super League when it all came and I remember speaking to Laurie Daly and, uh, you know, he told me, you know what, the pittance they'd get paid to play State of Origin. He said, Steve-O, I'm sure someone's making money here. And it's, like, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it's not, and it's not us. And, that's, and you know, we were at a way different level to what you were, were because obviously, you know, you were at the height internationally and still not making... Not making anything, yes. Oh, no. wow, that's a, and then you had those players who did do the circuit. I went in an Australian team and then I... I was banned because I withdrew from a team and the conditions and everything was so bad and the food we ate and where we stayed. And you knew there was other players getting money under the counter. That's why tennis really never was an Olympic sport back then because they they knew that that was happening. So there was too much professionalism in it. And so these players uh, were behind the scenes asking you know, for thousands of dollars and they'd have their hotel paid and their air tickets or they wouldn't play. And so they were getting money under the counter, but uh, because we were an Australian team and the circumstances and things, but then the Australian team, uh, the Australian Association did get money because they started to, if there were six girls in the team and I was number one, um, they would ask for money, but we got nothing. I think we got uh, $10 a day or something. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so you, you knew you knew that was happening and that went on for years, yeah. And despite that, you, you maintained a, an amazing attitude. I think there's a lesson in, in that for all of us because often, you know, we... You know, if you're going to achieve anything great, you've got, I think you've got to ask yourself the why of why you're doing it. And then obviously money wasn't the driving force, which it is, I've got to say... For many, many athletes, I meet so Not many today, young. Yeah. Oh, I meet so yeah. many young young people. I'm talking 13, 14, 15, and it's like, you know, I can make this amount, of, and yeah. I'm just like, no, no, no. I like, it's the wrong goal. No, yeah. it's not the right goal it's, because I, I never thought I'd make a career of it either. I was becoming an accountant. I did university, and and then they said, no, you know what? No, you know, try it for this, and try. Then I was just like, I walked into it because I, I loved it and wanted to do it, but. It was never money, the motivator, I've got to say. That's right. Well, I think if you look at your top champions and, you know, over the years, uh, you know their goal is to win those grand slams. Uh, the money's a bonus. 
may have been a little bit in the early years, but I think if the young ones get their goals centred right, and uh, back then we, we were representing our nation, so you didn't know anything about the money side of it, you know, in those early years. Mm. So your, your eyes were never on that. You just well, I wanted to be the first Aussie woman to win Wimbledon, and that was my whole goal. And, uh, you know, it has sort of eluded you, but that made you push on and uh, think, no, I can do it. Uh, so, you know, that that was who you played for because you just knew it from the people themselves. There was nothing about money back then. And, uh, you know, you were representing your nation and, and the flag would go up and you'd have goosebumps. And, you know, it was just such an honour. Uh, you, you didn't think like that, yeah. yeah. You know, can you take us there, Margaret, to your first Wimbledon? I know you already achieved a lot before then, but there's just something about Wimbledon that it's just a holy ground. It's just, it's it's the the whole world's eyes were on Wimbledon, always on Wimbledon. Well, I, I probably never uh, played my best tennis there. It's interesting at Wimbledon because I won more of the other majors than I ever won at Wimbledon. But I had a bad experience and I was seeded number one. I, it was the year before I actually won it. And, uh, and I, I went out I, and it was, I went out in the first month. I was seeded number one and that was embarrassing and that hurt. Mm. And I always remember that. But I played a player named Billie Jean King. She was Billie Jean Moffat then. And back in those times, uh, she hadn't been out of America, but she was number two in America. And I didn't know who she was. And we only had eight seeds. And there wasn't the 32 like they have now. And they did after the eight seeds. They then went to 16 and they went to 32, but there was only eight seeds. So she'd never been out to play anywhere else. And so she was a floater. And I got her in the first round. Wow. And uh, so I lost to her in the first round. And the press just started. And uh, the press gave me a hard time in England. Oh, is she going to get nervous? Is she going to do this? If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, you know, you had billboards everywhere. You couldn't but help see them. And they called me probably one of the other pet hates I didn't like. They used to call me Maggie Smith in England. And they'd have hair, <laughs> headlines in the press on the front page of the mirror on the Daily Telegraph, is Maggie Smith going to be nervous? And, <laughs> and you know, because, again, with words, words create, you know, and yeah. words can bring fear. Uh, words will hold us captive. And yeah. that's enough. So I, I really never looked. I loved Wimbledon, but I never, I always was that little bit of fear of Wimbledon, how I was going to go. And I, I had to beat myself around a little bit. And as I said, I got through it because people believed in me more than I did in myself back in those times. And, uh, you know, when I won that first one in 1963, I just thought, thank God it's all over. That's, that's 
you know, I was like flat as a tack after it mm. because you'd done everything, worked towards it because Wimbledon was really the biggest back then mm. and uh, you just worked towards that. You trained towards that. That was the one that you so much wanted to win, yeah. You know, with the uh, was there ever a, t- ever a time during Wimbledon where you you were playing and you could see someone in the crowd of of note? Um, was there any? Because obviously it's known for its VIPs coming in and watching and enjoying their scones and tea. But was there? Oh yes, yes. You always had royalty there. Always, uh, yeah. Probably back in the early days, you had you know you had the Duke. Uh, in those really early days, the Queen, and you had Princess Margaret, Princess Alexander, uh, the Duchess of Kent. You would have them all, all coming uh, at some stage or, or another back in, in those days because you didn't have the younger ones that are now, but you you had somebody always uh, wanted to be there from the royalty side of it, yes. And did you block so that they out? There. Did, you, did you just... Uh, yeah. You you did block you. I blocked it everything out. You mm. know, I remember when I had my first child, and Barry was with me, and I wanted to be the first mum to be number one in the world. And uh, uh, you know, and you could hear babies crying. I just blocked everything out. I remember this is a funny one. I remember one year uh, I won uh, Wimbledon, and uh, it was afterwards a man came up and said. Uh, Congratulations, you know, well done. I know what it means to you, such and such. And and I looked at him, and then he turned, and I didn't recognise him. And he was my umpire. He was the umpire. Really? And I didn't even rec. I just blocked. It. I used to everything block out. everything out. But that's everything the, out. But that's the key, isn't it? Focus, because there's so much like white noise, and there's so much, you know, just just to remain single minded and focused was obviously a very Big part of I can it. still do that preaching. I'll oh, block really? it with noises. I, I can block it out. I that, can block things out. Yeah. It's hard because <laughs> I've preached and, as well, and sometimes when you know, I catch a glimpse of people looking and they're just they're just yeah. looking and it's like they're depressed hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no. Are you hearing uh, what I'm saying? Are you what yeah, I'm saying? I know what you. I can know throw what you. Saying. It can throw you. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. it's funny. I know. <laughs> uh, there, you know, recently there was a, uh, you know, fairly recently there was a, um, you know, because I love film and I take interest in film and I, I actually wrote and produced a film uh, not too long ago, but uh, there was the film The Battle of the Sexes, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. Emma Stone <laughs> and Steve Carell and, and Jessica McNamee, who's a great Aussie actress, portrayed, you know, you. Can you take yeah, us back yeah, to that yeah. time uh, of... Of, uh, I remember you know, that was one of my mistakes in life, and uh, it was at that time, and and uh, I had a lawyer. Uh, you know, there was different. There was it was open tennis, and it was just coming in, and I had a lawyer, and somebody said, "Oh, I think it'd be good if you took him on because I was number one in the world, yes. and uh, you know he was getting on in years." But I think uh, the thing was what I didn't realize was. Uh, we hadn't. I hadn't been in team tennis. Uh, I was still uh, open tennis. Come in. I hadn't gone into uh, sort of the Virginia Slims. I did the following year, but it was in that year, and I'd won Wimbledon. It was right after Wimbledon, and it was Bobby Riggs, and 
I said, all right, I'll, I'll take it on and they'll do it because there was a lot of talk going on in that time about the battle of the sexes and yeah. men and women. And I trained a lot with the men, so I said, all right, I will. But probably if I had have played team tennis, I would have understood what I was getting into. I'd just come out of Wimbledon, which you couldn't hear a pin drop, and there was, uh, you know, it, it was can be electrifying on that centre court, particularly back in those days. People just didn't yell out or, you know, say things and do things yeah. like that. It was very quiet. And I remember going to Las Vegas, and I remember walking out, and just before going, my my son back then he was about two. He put my my tennis shoes in the in the toilet. And uh, so that I had to change a few things. You didn't have lots of shoes you like you, you carry now. I'll get a pair when you want it. And uh, I remember going out on the court and they had a band and they were yelling and screaming. And even while I was playing, was um, they'd say, serve double fault, uh, you know, trip over. Uh, I'd never been in anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really quite thrown by it all. I was embarrassed by it all. And if I looked back, that was probably one of the mistakes you make in life. You think, I wished I'd never done it. And I'd just won Wimbledon and I'd, I'd won three of the slams. But that year, you didn't get any credit for that. It was the one that you lost wow. and that was it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you look back at it and you think, well, yeah, I learned through it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was humble pie, but uh, you look back at it and you think, well, everything we go through in life, yeah, we make some mistakes, but you learn from it. If you don't learn right. from them, there's something wrong. Did you yeah. did you meet uh, and Bobby Riggs, like, apart from... Oh, well, he was a real con... He was a con artist. Really? And, uh, oh, yeah, very much so. And, uh, yeah, I won't go any further than that because <laughs> I do know a lot of things, but there's enough there. <laughs> there's enough <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah. But it's funny because when I look at your career, and you know, you mentioned training with the men at Little Collins Street, which I love Little Collins Street in Melbourne, by the way. I love Melbourne. But um, yeah. But just to train with the um, the men, and then you know, for, was that intimidating by any way? Because actually, at one stage, well, I'd, I'd go in before before they actually came in, but I have one of the best coaches. Stan Nichols, he was before his time right. with athletes. He trained Olympic athletes. But I was very blessed also to train with the Lavers and the Emersons and all those with Harry Hopman. Uh, Harry Hopman saw something in me and he allowed me. I was the only woman that would be able to go and train uh, with, uh, the, with the men with the Davis Cup team. So, you know, that, that I think helped me tremendously in my career and my fitness because he would make it just about you go on court until you dropped. And uh, he he was just, uh, you know, he'd drop shot, lob you, make you, and then you'd lie mm. down on the side of the court after exhausted and then he said, go for five-mile run. Wow. And, uh, and you, you did not say, I can't. You, you did it, you or you know it. you'd never get to train with him again. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that led yeah. to, like, sport. I remember reading Sports Illustrated said that you were a superbly athletic animal. I know not an, you're not an animal, but, that, but they meant that in a good <laughs> way. The physical equal of a great many men. 
And when you look at how you were really groomed in a way, you know, you you really um, paved the way, I would say, to for women to embrace sort of power and physicality, you know, long before the likes of, you know, some of the great tennis players as well, Marismo and Serena Williams and, you know, because they, they like yourself, they don't just beat opponents that they, you know they dominate <laughs> they really dominate and that's really that you you paved the way to to set the well, time. you know i love that i love that side more of it than the competitive side anyways i looked back then i used to enjoy that and uh, that i had i had coaches i don't know why i had special people that could take you through the pain barrier bit mm. uh push you to the to the maximum and you know that you'd come up again. And, you know, we used to get up at 4.30 in the morning and run when the milkman was around in Melbourne and run the streets and then mm. go at weekends on the sand hills and then up in the Dandelong sort of uh, at weekends and up in the mountains. And I, I loved all that. You know, it was um, I, I, there was just something in me that I pushed me. That mm. uh, I knew I could do it, but I knew it was all for the future because I knew that I was skinny and scrawny when I left Albury, and I knew I had to develop if I was going to go. And I remember my coach saying, "Margaret, if you're going to ever win the French Championship, because we'd never played on clay courts," and uh, he said, "You're going to have to hit the ball over a hundred times in a row." If I got into 92, it'd make me start all over again. Wow. And, uh, and if I missed it, and, uh, you know, and then it'd make me go until I got to 100. So I knew I could out-rally them. I knew I was fitter than all of them. Mm. So, um, well, you know, you, had, you only had your thing you battled the most was not my fitness, was your self-doubt. Mm. And I think that's the thing. And 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 Jason, I I wrote another book called uh, Train Your Brain, mm. and uh, it's all about the mental area of the mind because that's where the battlefield is. And we didn't have psychologists, we didn't have anybody teaching us about the mind. No. But I found it's all in the Bible, and uh, probably I, I I often say if I'd known what God says about the mind area, I would have won six Wimbledons, not three. Well, well I mean, the, the Bible says that as a man think of, you know, so he is. And so... That, That's right. That, that, That's right. That, I mean, you, you look at the greatest motivational speakers in the world, and they've pretty much taken every single um, concept and... and from the Bible, really. It's all, it's, oh, it's they all are. It's, That's in, all it, it's all in the Bible. It's all and it's, it's not all the hate there. book, it's a love book. And it teaches us so much about ourselves. But we didn't have psychologists. We didn't have all those things to travel or people go with you. Your family couldn't even go mm. with you. So you, you just didn't have that. So you had to learn the disciplines of that yourself and understand yourself more how you tick. Well, 73, as you said, you, you took on Bobby Rings. It was a tough, tough sort of uh, a lesson to learn. But that same year during the French Open in 73, you you attended a church service. That's right. Tell us a That's bit about right. that. Tell us a bit about what, what, what moved you to go to church and and begin to think about. Well, I was, I was brought up in a, a Catholic background. Mm. And probably wherever I went around the world back then, if you missed math, it was a mortal sin. And I thought, if I miss math, I might lose, so I better go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
you know, no, I knew always as a little girl, I yeah. knew my gift was from God. I always knew that. Yeah. And I just looked back and I knew in that time I'd pray, I'd kneel down and pray overnight, my prayers before going to bed. Uh, I'd thank him for looking after me. I'd thank him uh, for the gift that I had because the press would say to me, why are you so good? I said, it's a gift from God. I didn't know any different. Wow. And um, I knew that as a little girl, but I was sitting in France and I remember they were speaking in Latin and French and I didn't understand a word. I said, God, there must be more to it than this. Where are you? I want to know you. Wow. I knew sometimes in my tennis that, there was something, uh, I think, bigger than me, or I knew sometimes I'd say, God, please help me. And sometimes it was like a strength came from somewhere. Mm. And, and I, I always knew that he was there, but I didn't know how to get him. Mm. And I knew there was something bigger than me, and you can have fame, you can have money, you can have everything. But I just still knew there was something missing in my life. I always knew that. And it was at that time that I think I reached out and I cried out, God, I want to know you. And it wasn't until I went to America that same year and the when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply friends we always stayed with, she was going off to these meetings and she gave me some little books. She'd come back from these meetings and I said to Barry, my husband, I think she's become a religious nut and I put him in the rubbish bin, but I kept one Uh about accepting Jesus as the Lord of my life. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I came back home here to Perth and a very good friend of mine, we've been friends for years. I, when I first came here to Perth, even uh, playing tennis, I was billeted with her, and we'd always stayed friends. And then another friend I trained with in Melbourne. She was a very good player for me, and she came to Melbourne. She trained in the same gym with me. And uh, when I came back, uh, this one particular friend had been to a meeting here, and she'd given a heart to Christ. And I said, that's interesting. Just read a little book on that. I'd like to come with you. And I knew I went along to a meeting, and one of those meetings, uh, a man called us forth, and I, I was like something lifts me up out of the seat. Wow. And I stood on the tennis circuit, and I went up and gave my heart to Christ. And I had such an encounter, uh, and Jesus came into my life. And I knew that that die, day I died, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And I got spirit-filled, born again all in one day, and then at about a month later, I was going back on the tennis circuit again, and I had this joy, Jason. It just filled me. And even the even the press people back then, they didn't change like they do today. We had them on tour for 10 years, and they would say to me, what's happened to you? Something's happened to you. You can't stop smiling, and, and you've got this twinkle in your eye. What is it? And I'd say to them, I went along to a meeting and gave my heart to Christ. I know if I die to go home and be with the Lord, you can have it too. Would you like it? 
and I, I didn't own a Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I said to somebody, would you give me that little prayer uh, that I said that when you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Um, he'll come and live on the inside. And I had that prayer out of Romans 10, 9, and 10. And I said that, and it was so real to me. And you know what? I've been through a lot in my life even since then, but I've never lost that, that love and that knowing of the reality of Jesus Christ. So that's how it happened to me. It was very simple, mm. but it was, uh, as you know, I never lost that love. I've never lost that fire. I'm probably more fire-tuned with the things of God today than I've ever been in my life, even back then, because they would see it in my eyes. Uh, they, they'd see this smile. I had this joy as though somebody was tickling me on the inside, and it was, mm. you know, it was the joy of my salvation. It mm. says in the Scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And I didn't, couldn't, didn't understand it. I didn't even know what it was. Mm. But I had this joy, and I knew it was all about Jesus Christ. Well, you know, um, Margaret, it's 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 funny because when, I, when I, one of the the years I played State of Origin and everyone was down at breakfast and I, I um, was in my room and I would, I would I like to sing um, sort of worship songs and gospel songs and and when I came down to breakfast, one of the guys said to me, "Where have you been?" And it was just like I felt like. <laughs> he says because he said there's a glow, there's a glow, and I yes, said oh, I've just been, right. I've just been singing, and he was like what? <laughs> because you could be singing, and it was just like <laughs> it was funny, but it it's hard to explain. Um, it is until, unless it you is. actually experience it, and and it's and it's funny that you and I we were, we were church people, and it, it even spoke about God. Um, you you mentioned God that it was you right. gifts from God, and yet the connection. Wasn't I knew the, about him? You knew about I him. I knew but, about him, yes. but I didn't know him. And tell, I'd heard tell us about the difference. Him. Tell us the difference because there is a huge difference, actually. Well, I knew about him. I knew I've gone to church and I knew Easter, Christmas. I knew he was out there. I thought he was somewhere on the sky. I was always trying to get him. Mm. And it wasn't until in Romans ten nine and ten there it says when you believe in your heart. And you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And, you know, he loves the man in prison, the man in the gutter, the alcoholic. Uh, It doesn't matter. And often coming from a background like I came from, I thought I was earning my way to heaven. It was by me going to church of good works. Mm. But no, it's when man... Says, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Come into my heart. Mm. That is when, because we are a spirit, we live in a body and we have a soul. And it's our spirit being that when we give our heart to Christ, that the wonderful miracle happens, that the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. Just like, you know, we're, we're celebrating Christmas and you think about the virgin birth and, uh, uh, she did not conceive by any human man, but the conception came of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Well, when you give your heart to Christ, it's like that wonderful covenant with God. He comes to live on the inside of you. And all through the Bible, it's all about covenants. That's why marriage, two people meet and they, they get married 
That's why it's, it's all about covenant because God ordained marriage and family from the beginning. It's back all about it in the first two chapters of Genesis and then it's again in the Gospels and the Epistles. And that's it. marriage and husband and wife is all about covenant. And that's why you don't have sex before marriage because when you get into marriage, there's that blood break. It's covenant. And everything we do with God is, it's about covenant. That's but how he, it he, seems, he loves mankind. Oh, yeah. But yes. it seems, trust me, it seems when someone said that to me and I wasn't of the faith, I thought they were absolutely nuts. I honestly yes. did. I thought yeah, when, I a did friend, when a friend of mine at university said that he was saving sex for marriage, I was like, what? I was like, who does? I actually said to him, who does that? Who does okay. that? I, mean, That's right. I was, I was That's so right. shocked. And then my brother... Um, was the first really to make a commitment to God, and he made that yes. decision, and yeah. very much influenced me. And and you know, we're talking about all these things, and they would seem you know out of this world in a, in a sense, but they do come into context once you and if you choose to invite God into your life, things begin to. I, I kind of describe it like well, you understand you spiritual begin to understand. things, yes, then you don't right. before that. That's right. right. That's right. You understand the Bible. You begin it's to like, understand. Uh, yes. I heard a a man of God, uh, just only a week ago, there was something written and uh, he said, well, uh, there's not not much in the Bible about, you know, marriage or transgender or all of those things. And uh, the first thing I thought, well, you're not born again because you don't know the reality of Christ so that that spiritual side can become alive and become a reality to you with it power of the Holy Spirit will reveal to you how important marriage is, how much, how important it is not to have sex before marriage, how, how important it is to know God personally. And uh, the world has moved so far away from the Bible uh, that that's the sad part is because they think it's just a book. No, it's not. You and I'll pass away. But God's Bible, His Word will never pass away. It's the same yesterday, today, and there. But it's a spiritually alive. That's why when Christ comes to live within us, you come alive to it. You start to understand things all your life. You thought, well, I knew that, mm. but I didn't know the, the reality of it and how powerful it is. It's very powerful. And it's, yeah, it, it is. is. It's such but a yeah, power. I- and that's why words are powerful. And that, they, they know the power of words, how, how they can hurt people or to somebody's life apart through the word because mm. people will believe what often people believe what they read in the paper I don't anymore because I've seen so many things printed about me that's not true that that is that is not right mm. and and so you you start to realize how powerful words are absolutely absolutely actually we had um Justin Langer on uh, not long ago and he uh he, he, all he, all he could do was rave about you, actually, Margaret, and and the love you've shown him as his neighbour and his actual physical neighbour, um, which I didn't realise that you live next door to him. Yeah, he lives a couple, couple, of, couple of houses, houses up. There. Yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy, yeah. Really great yeah. guy, and he's doing such a great go, uh, job as the um, the Aussie coach. He is. <laughs> it's funny. He's, he's the right person now, I believe. He is. When, he is because he loves when, them like uh, his they family. Went all through that. South African thing yes. and the players were hurt. He was a very right person there to bring that team together, to encourage them, to strengthen them, to 
get some self-worth back into them. No, yeah. he, he was the right person in the right place at the right time. One thing that struck out to me when I sp- spoke to him was how much he spoke so well of his wife and his kids. You know, just, well, they're not kids at all anymore, but the way he spoke so, so well of them, it was just, it oh, really, he, really he loves, impacted he me. He He's loves a very his family. family. Yeah, 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 yeah. A really, yeah. really good man. And, uh, uh, you know, so it was great to have, you know, I've just been blown away and I want to thank you because, you know, time has got us. But uh, just some of the um, the amazing sports people, uh, and, and none of them have achieved, I've got to say, what you have, but um, just the openness of them sharing their lives um, on the show. And it's very much appreciated, Margaret. And uh, I remember the first time actually I met you, as I said, I've, I was actually a bit intimidated because, um, you know, I knew of, of everything that you'd accomplished. But um, just, you know, your sweet heart towards younger people. And actually, I was, I was I, a friend popped over today, funny enough, and he, he, her uh, son, Jerome, had been to the um, tennis academy, your tennis academy in uh, in Albury. Albury, okay. Yeah. So, and, and you came uh, and he spoke. Said, my, my nephew's a really young man that runs that. Yes. He's so great with kids. He's like a pied piper. Yes, they well, love him. Well, you yeah. were there when he was there, and you've really impacted him and and uh, oh, so many others. So yeah, that it's Phil Shanahan. Is that right? Who's who's got? Yeah, that? Phil Shanahan. He does a great job down there with the young people, and uh, very good with him. And he takes teams to America, and uh, you know he's so passionate. He's he is just so good, and and you know he helps those kids there. The struggle in life and things. Yes. He helps them. Yes. He encourages them. You know, they go right through their life, whether they make it in tennis or not. He's there for for them. And uh, but you know, it's always. Uh, I think it's always wonderful to be able to encourage young ones and and to help them. I look back at my tennis last season and I think, did I ever really do that? It seems to be so far from me. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have to think about it, and it's only when somebody like you talk to me that I I think about it. It's not really such a part of my life anymore. But uh, I loved what I did then, and I love what I do today. No, no, for sure. And and there are many, many more uh, victories ahead for you, uh, Margaret. And uh, it's been such a joy talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Spirit of Sport and sharing. Your amazing story because uh, you're an amazing person. And, and uh, yes, yeah, so thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jason. And you have a wonderful uh, Christmas and a happy new year, mate. 2021, 20, uh, bring a year of great victory to everybody listening. And uh, I think, you know, it's going to be something very special about 21. I believe so, and and yes, and thank you all for listening. If if you missed us, uh, you can you can listen on eleven seventy SEN Sunday mornings at five thirty till seven. Uh, of course, you can also download the SEN app uh, and go to Catch Up, where you can listen to all our past interviews, the likes of Big Bad Brad Thorne and Steve War and Jeff Ogilvy and so many great. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. People that we've, who have shared their life with us and we thank them so much. Uh, but that's it for me. I'm Jason Stevens. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great, great week.